Quiero llevarla a mi campo. No creo que mi marido quiera. No creo que mi marido quiera. ¿Dónde queda su campo? another episode of song mess my name is richard villegas um and uh 2020 carries on and so do these interviews um and i have some fantastic music for you all today and an incredible guest so right now we're listening to a song called la hija del sodero this is by dj juan data um and we're gonna play that out and when we come back we have a very very special guest Today, joining us uh, via satellite um, out in uh, Ca California in the Bay Area, we have uh, DJ Juan Data. How are you, my friend? Hey, fine, fine, thanks. Thank you for <laughs> playing the song. <laughs> yes, of course. I, I didn't realize that you actually had uh, original music. I, I was like so excited. I was like, oh, cool, rad. Um, There's very and... little original about it because it's mostly sample-based music, so... Hey, it's all like there's a lot of copyright infringement there. <laughs> I don't uh, empires have been built on samples. I don't know any any keys or notes or anything or uh, no musical musical theory at all. I just sample records which I have a lot. Look, man, like entire empires have been built. So, you know, you're you're good. And uh, and I mean, I can see an extensive vinyl collection behind you and I and you know, right before we began recording, yes. you know, I was mentioning like I'm familiar with your work. I've known about you for a, a, you know quite a few years, but 
for the listener more in on the train or you know on the treadmill who may not know who you are uh, who who are you and what is it that you do I'm Juan Data and I'm a music aficionado music listener I I, I define myself as a professional music listener mm-hmm. um, I've been involved in in the music industry for 25 something years Damn. as a journalist as a DJ as a record label personal as a PR agent like in all levels of the music industry and now I'm a, I, I work in metadata like in the in the in the back end of the in the behind the scenes of the digital mm, distribution of music online so I'm still very connected to the music industry and I, I still make beats like the one you just heard uh, as a hobby mostly I don't have a presumptions of a career as a musician or anything like that i i just do that on my on my spare time but you're you're very well known uh again like i i I first knew about you as a writer um and then you know i know that you're a very well-known dj out in the bay um you know like i i again like i i have so many questions for you because again like you've been around the block um (laughs) you know um i'm old that's that's why (laughs) you're influential um uh, let let's you know let's 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 give some general background um you're from argentina mm-hmm. yes 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 i was born and raised in buenos aires but i've been living in uh, california for 20 years now wow wild and so so i started my my career as a music journalist journalist started in buenos aires in the mid 90s and then i i i i spent prone out into all these other projects while I, I came into California and I started DJing and all doing all the other stuff. But yeah. And so like, it's, a, again, it's been a while. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, again, you're currently based in the Bay. What took you, what took you up there? I'm, I would imagine if you started in the business, you probably started out in Los Angeles. I did. Yeah, actually. Yes, you're right. I, when I first moved to California, I moved to Los Angeles I lived there for a couple of years, but I hated it. And <laughs> fair, I, I, I didn't know how to drive. Yeah, so same. LA is a city that's impossible if you don't have if you don't have a car. You know, one hundred percent. Especially if you're living out in the suburbs. Back then, I was the only person with a bicycle in like 10, 10 miles around. Yeah. So it was not an easy thing, but. As soon as I, I finished that job position that that brought me to LA, I I moved to the Bay Area, which is more a, a lot more bicycle friendly city sure. type of uh, urban space, you know. And I've been living there since. So what I I've actually never been to the Bay. I've been to LA, and I totally echo what you've been saying because it's just like I'm from New York, and you yeah. know, like going going like to, to LA. Walk. One hundred percent, and I feel like LA robs me of my freedom and my independence, and it's just like I I need you know either yes. need to spend a ton of money on an Uber or like rely on like friends picking me up and taking me places, um you know. But, but you I've spend always, most of your day on freeways. One hundred percent, and that that is a that is not for me. Um, and um, <laughs> I, but I've always wanted to go to the Bay. I I've, I used to say when I first moved to New York, because I grew up in Dominican Republic, when I first moved to New York, I said if New York doesn't work out, I'll probably end up in san francisco um tell me what paint a yeah, picture kind of for, like the for me but also city. for the listeners yeah well i don't know about that and, i mean yeah, my best san friend francisco here is from san francisco and, she's like that's number one you know so 
Yeah, it's it's a it's a beautiful city. I I currently live in Oakland, which is on the other side. is is kind of the, the analogous of, of Brooklyn to Manhattan. Sure. You know, San Francisco to Oakland, they have that type of relationship. And but I lived in San Francisco for a few years before it became prohibitively expensive, and and there was yeah. a big exodus of all the all the art people move out of San Francisco. Many came to Oakland. Others went to Portland, to Colorado, to other places because San Francisco became this like impossible to to live place. It's like a, so extremely. It seems like a joke how expensive it is, you know. Yeah. So, well, this this, <laughs> this interview is brought to us by a story that I'm currently working on, and it's about music from the Bay. And again, like it's a little tricky since I've never been there because, oh. like, you know, usually I, I over a weekend I can get a feel for things, you know, and like, and I've been thinking about this. Like, I know a lot of bands from Chicago, bands from you know generally all over Texas or you know Seattle or New York, but I, and like LA, of course, but like San Francisco, like I know a couple names, like I know like La Fabi and La Doña and Los Racas. But, like, I don't have a general sense for what the music scene is like out in the Bay. What's happening? I don't know if there's a sense of a scene, like, especially when it comes to Latin music. There's definitely a lot of people doing it. Sure. I don't think there's a, a, any cohesive things that unites them. There's no... No, no, not not such a thing as a as a Bay Area Latin music scene. I would say we're like Fair. bands that the that that share a circuit and play in the same kind of venues, sharing their crowd and stuff like that. Unfortunately, that that hasn't happened here in the Bay Area. There's there's local bands that they mostly play for like when a when a foreign uh, or like out of state band came come here, you know, and they get a little bit of repercussion. But otherwise, mm. I think like one of the only bands here is Bank Data, which I, I don't know if you heard of. I have. Um, I thought that was your band um, for a minute. <laughs> yeah, they, we, we get confused a lot. We have the same last name, but I had it first because <laughs> I had course. it. I had it since birth. So <laughs> there you go. They, they, when, when they came out in like uh, around 2010, I think, or 2009, they, people confused us a lot. Also because their drummer and, and leader of the band, his first name is Juan. Oh, damn. So, so, so that was the, start, the, the same time that I was starting to open up as a DJ and like people got us confused a lot. And sometimes they would call me to book the band or call him to book the DJ services, you know. It, it was... Oh, damn. It was quite... Fun, but but I I've been friends with them for a long time. I knew them from their previous projects. You know, uh, Juan Caipo, the drummer, he's been in Orishas, who was a, a, a Latin rock fusion type band in the late nineties, early two thousands, and and those Eclipse, the the rapper, he's a Nicaraguan and bilingual rapper, and he's been in in a lot of projects, including Sionai. All right, so uh, we have a whole lot to talk about today, and uh, we have a fantastic uh, playlist curated by DJ Juan Data. Um, and I, I don't know. Let's let's. Um, ooh, this is this is like this this playlist is like it's all over the Americas, which makes me excited. Uh, let's let's start in order. I got um, La Ley de X. This is by H Street and Andres Proaño. Uh, tell us a little bit about this song. It's H S T actually. The oh, it's rapper H-S-T. is H-S-T. It's a Dominican rapper. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
It's a mm -hmm. it's a Dominican rapper based in Staten Island, California, New York. Sorry. And that's fine. And Andres Proaño, I I'm, I think he's Bolivian or Ecuadorian, but he okay. lives uh, somewhere in the south of in the south of the United States. He's a beat producer, a beat maker. Okay. Uh, who work with a lot of people in 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 the conscious hip hop scene of Latin America. Uh, all, all over the continent and this is the album that they did together it just came out uh, a couple of months ago and yeah i've been, I've been a fan of um hst for a long time he worked a lot with boca floja mm -hmm. a mexican rapper who also is based in new york and i always say that him and boca floja they're they're I, they're like the common and talib quali of of spanish hip-hop well They're like, you know, on the conscious side of, uh, of hip hop, doing like very politically conscious, interesting rap with very focused on the lyrics. No, no booty beats or anything uh, ratchet like that. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> amazing. But, but it's definitely interesting to listen to very jazzy, laid back, uh, uh, interesting stories. And I, I, I love the, that type of rap. It's my foundation. All right, so this is HST uh, and Andres Proaño. The track is called La Ley de X, uh, and we'll be right back with more uh, DJ Juan Data. Soy la palabra que detona este movimiento Un coche bomba en la fila de tus sentimientos El gatillo a la hora de apretarlo El grito que no escuchan ya después de eliminarlo Va gritando la derecha Tal vez es quien pueda, carajo, pero con papel moneda Eva, no fue primera, la primera fue aquel drama El montaje para desacreditar todas las damas El gran hermano nos observa Cuida su reserva Federal en ámbar se conserva Esta protesta que nació como canción Serpiente que se arrastra y voló por la nación Y está el valor de J.O.X. en una lata de Coca-Cola o Pepsi Soy poeta, soy MC, mi verso escala Cualquier montaña, dragón de una ala vida nos dio el sistema y dijo rechazarme es un problema que se paga con locura con la muerte te regalo algo de suerte si no piensas diferente el éxito es un invento para uno dos tres o cuatro al final somos esclavos trato de entender este desorden aparentemente en orden si ofrezco vegetales vacas lo que comen ponen esta idea en un punto inapropiado segregando el pensamiento con los pueblos separados primo me levanto luego primo consciente de mí mismo y por eso me deprimo sigo aquí no hay coro para bailar o para pegar ya que hay letras con arterias para no desesperarse pero a veces, a veces no funciona la estrategia y separo el espíritu del suelo y la materia Los colores para vivir en blanco y negro El racismo nos ataca si cruzamos el terreno El miedo lo perdemos pero no en conjunto Asunto individual por la mañana me pregunto ¿Cuándo existirá esa conciencia colectiva? Y me como el desayuno y la idea ya se expira Comienza la rutina y no gastamos la saliva Gastamos las yemas de los dedos por WhatsApp 
todo tranquilo, por lo menos sigo vivo Buscando ese país donde llame sin prefijo Donde no dependa de un sueldo, ni de un hilo Donde todo vaya más despacio, para un vino o cerveza Con ley o sin ley de pureza Mi naturaleza, no sé drones ni riqueza Con firmeza, amenazo a la realeza El mundo es una obra y yo soy esa pieza Uno, 
7, 2, 0, 1, 7. Um, all right, and the second track that we just heard there is by Martin Buscaglia. Uh, it's called Basta de Musica. Um, uh, you know, tell me about Martin. I think, isn't he Uruguayan? Yes, you're correct. He's uh, the funkiest Uruguayan. And I don't know, he's a musician that I, I like a lot. I don't, know, I don't know much about him, but I like all his albums. He's very, yeah. has a very funky side that it's very rare in South American music and very unique on, on, on that sense and with influences from Brazilian music as well. And uh, I don't know, like he's very, very interesting character that unfortunately didn't get to break into the U.S. Uh, as much as he should have. I did see him play in New York sure. once. He did play New York so did once I. in like... Uh, you saw him? LA, LAMC. Oh, yeah. correct. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, that, that was my, my <laughs> one time when I got to see him live at SOBs in, okay. in, in, in New York. Well, he did like I an thought acoustic it was Mercury set. Lounge. I just... He might have done one Maybe too, it was yeah. SOBs. Yeah, yeah, he, he, yeah. he I, re I he remember that a, was a very uh, chaotic year because. Uh, yeah, he, his oh, set in he, his his SOB set was kind of like you know they do the the acoustic night there, so he's not a musician that's very uh, yeah, well. Uh -huh. He matches kind of like the acoustic vibe, but it was okay. <laughs> I de I definitely recommend uh, exploring him more. Dope. Um. Um, well, okay. So anyway, so I, well, I wanna, uh, so I wanna keep asking you about the bay because I, again, like in my mind, it's it's this like, you know, it's this dream place. Like I've always always wanted to visit the bay. Um, you know, like what? Um, so you're a DJ. Where do you usually play? I would imagine you know parties, clubs. You know, sometimes uh, bigger events. Uh, what what is what is the the nightlife like in uh, in in well, San Fran? To be honest, I'm I'm pretty retired of DJing, like the nightlife, what you call the nightlife. Fair. I've, I've dated a long time. I, I, I did like for like 10 years straight. And there was a period in my life when I was like heavily invested into DJing and I was like doing like two, three, four, up to six nights a week, you know. Well. And, and that was like the time when I was living in the mission in the hipster Latino neighborhood of San Francisco. Sure. Um, that, at that time, this was like 2006 to 2010, 11. Those years, it was, it was pretty crazy. It felt at the moment that there was a, a, a scene kind of like bubbling from the underground of like all this um, electro cumbia thing coming out. There was the, um, the, um, a lot of parties uh, that were mixing Latin music with electronic and hip hop and and DJs and stuff like that. And and there was an underground place that was iconic for Latin music. There was this, this clandestine punk rock art gallery that they, they threw these uh, after-hours parties uh, that were com completely illegal. And and it was the most amazing time ever to DJ there at that place sure. with the craziest crowd. It was a, a, a very a mix of like artsy crowd with punk rockers and and Latinos of all Latin America and I don't know it was insane. Um, what was the name of that place? That, 
Uh, it changed uh, names. It, it, it was popularly known as Balasso, okay. Balasso Art Gallery. But at some at one point, they kind of became official and they changed the name to Submission Art Gallery. Okay. And unfortunately, that place with many other places in the mission, they disappear because they all got, they all, they all got turned into luxury condos for the techie elite right now. Oh, sounds about you know. right. <laughs> so that's what happened with the mission and with the with San Francisco in general and and with the DJ scene there uh, it was very much affected for that and there, there was also like live bands would play there too but it was mostly like hardcore and punk bands would play in, in the front and they would do concerts in the back and after that time I, I, I kind of like moved on to Oakland and I became a more like a bar DJ in Oakland. I started doing bar nights in Oakland. Um, and that was kind of like the time there was a resurgence of downtown Oakland because historically downtown Oakland was very much of a, a ghost town. There was not much going on. And around, <coughs> around 2010, 2011, there were a lot of new bars popping up in downtown Oakland and and it, it kind of became like the, the new hip place to go out at night and and it was amazing because it was the crowd was super receptive to to all kinds of different sounds for me as a dj it was the best place to dj i used to dj at a bar called the layover which still exists um and this was a bar where like you could play any kind of music mix or go all over the place from spanish to english to portuguese to whatever different genres and the crowd was very open to lead, to dance to to foreign sounds, which is very difficult to find this type of crowd. You know, when you're when you're a DJ, yeah. I think that's the that's the best place to 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 play because you you have like um, carte blanche to go in any direction you want. You know, for sure. I mean, yeah, because like sometimes it, it just feels like you know Latin music and and especially well particularly in the U.S. but it just feels like Latin music is often just a salsa night at a at a nightclub and so having yeah, and having that kind that. of <laughs> yeah I definitely exactly. don't do that I'm, I'm not good at, at salsa nights at all <laughs> but and but I that's why I, that's why, nights, why when when I'm you sorry. say that like that that club kind of gave you like carte blanche to you know play like just you know a variety of 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 things that that is honestly a more real uh, more authentic sort of experience, and I feel all we all have. I mean, plenty of people in Latin America like music in English, and vice versa. You Correct. Know? So it just doesn't make. I don't know. I just I've kind of never understood that like gringo idea of the salsa night. But hey, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, never, I never understood that too, or or the or the rock and español night, which is even worse. And it's a oh very, god. In, uh, if you go in, in in LA, there there's a lot of that, like rock and español night in in some nightclubs or bars, and and it's all just listening to songs from the uh, 80s and mid 90s, and that's it, yeah. you know. And, and I'm like, I, I hate that. <laughs> I, I want to be able to to go, you know, play different genres from different eras, yeah. from different countries, you know, and not not stick to one sound, to one period, to one you know formula. That's a, that's a conversation I've been having a, a lot with many people, musicians, artists, colleagues, friends, you know, just about like this nostalgia has, you know, 
kind of like stunted so many things and so many opportunities again like you said like that rock and espanol night like there's a lot of people like all the all these rockeros that hate on reggaeton for example it's just like guys it's not 1995 anymore it just isn't <laughs> like Yes. You know, yes. So, I, so that's not around anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, 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 that is a, I think it's a very U.S. phenomenon with the Latino population in the U.S. In general, even be, be, beyond the rock and beyond the, the younger crowd, in general, Latinos in the U.S., they tend to consume music through the prism of uh, nostalgia because of yeah. the immigrant, the, the immigrant's experience tends to you it forces you to to see latin music as something that brings you back to your homeland and to your sure. to the music of your parents and your music of of your childhood or whatever so people had that the very nostalgic connection to music and they fail at connecting to new latin music you have like people that you know that migrated from their country to the united states in in the 90s and after that they stopped listening to new latin music they only listen to the stuff that reminded them from back home and, and once they move here they they listen to to whatever is popular here you know but their connection to latin music is only always the old stuff the stuff that yeah that relates them that, that relates them to their to their childhood upbringing or their high school no. or whatever yeah, and or that, like this is what my parents li were listening to, and that. Well, that, and that's like, even a, a deeper phenomenon, which is what I call the the implant inherited nostalgia. When yeah, you have like the, it's very common in the Chicano community. Like they yep. have ki kids growing up in the United States being nostalgic for music of their parents' era, which is something that in Latin America you would never hear of anybody, you know, doing <laughs> that or or being having that type of connection with their parents' era music or their grandparents. But it's very yeah. common. It's very common in the U.S. Uh, Latino immigrant population. Well, I mean, um, the, San Francisco has a very uh, has a well. Not again. I always say San Francisco, but I should say the Bay yeah. has a very strong sort of uh, musical ped pedigree. I mean, you know, like San Francisco has been around and, and relevant. Oh yeah, uh, since Santana. Since, I mean. You know. Yeah, Santana, Santana is, is where I was going to go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I'm sure even before that, but like, you know, like the summer of love and all that jazz, but Santana came out of there. What are some like key figures or like, uh, you know, Latino figures, not necessarily making Latino music, but like mm. Latino musicians uh, from from the Bay Area, would oh, you man. say? Ah, you got me there. I don't I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> I know there are many That's important, fair. you know, but like, I, I honestly don't, don't want to don't want to risk naming some and leaving other outside you know that, that, that's a risky move <laughs> that's very fair that's very fair so what are what are like your favorite trends that you've noticed in san francisco because like or again the bay sorry um you know like the bay has like a, again really strong hip-hop out of like uh you know oakland or you know in san francisco there's a lot of punk um, you know, mm -hmm. so, so what, what are, what are some of your favorite trends or, or movements or waves that you've kind of perceived over the years? Well, when, when I came to the Bay area, I was very much attracted to the, to the local underground hip hop scene at that time in the early two thousands, it was amazing. I think, um, with like the hieroglyphics crew and the Quanon uh, crew, with all, all those groups like Lyrics Born and Black Alicious and Souls of Mischief and all the all the underground hip hop in the Bay Area was really happening at the time. And that was also 
the Bay Area was super important in the in the turntablist DJ uh, world. You know, like most of the mm-hmm. uh, most amazing groundbreaking DJs came out of the Bay Area, like Hubert and Mixmaster Mike, DJ Shadow. All these people were like Bay Area based. You know, the DJs were, were like stretching the limits of what can be done with the turntable as an instrument. So I, I was For very sure. much, much attracted to all that. And later on, uh, I kind of like, uh, I don't know if I grew out of contact with it or uh, the scene changed also a lot. And, and I, you know, like I, you, you get older and you stop like catching up with the, the new trends or, or, or listening to the new stuff. But there's definitely a lot of things going on and happening in the, in the, um, in the Bay Area, like the you mentioned, Los Racas, they were very important at, at some point in the in 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 the Bay, like connecting Latinos to hip hop and hip hop hip hop to Latinos, doing that bridge. Um, yeah, they were super super relevant, and and they still are to a certain extent. They're still active, you know, doing music. And of course, I don't know. There's uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> No, of course, and I, I mean it's it, you know it's a world class city. Like again, like I, I I'm I'm be, I'm dying to to make my way out there. Um, before we stray away from from hip hop, I want to ask. Uh, I think I saw that you are you've written a book, and I don't know if it's out yet, but I think you know uh, I think it's still pretty new. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, well, I'm well. There's this thing. Yeah, I'm. Let me. Where do I start? Because this is a long story, but <laughs> I'm uh, I was a, a music journalist back in Argentina, um, publishing a fanzine back in the fanzine days of the mid '90s. You know, I used to self-publish a magazine about hip hop culture for like okay. for about three years in Buenos Aires. Um, since then, I moved away from that kind of journalism, but. I still stay in touch with it. Um, and recently there was a resurgement of interest in that period. Um, I was offered the idea of like publishing a book about that period. Um, but they actually came to me with the idea of like, oh, why don't you do a compilation of all your all the articles that you published back then in the fanzine? And oh, wow. Like, uh, an anthology of the of of all the issues, and 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 instead my my idea was like let me instead write a, a new versions of those same articles, you know, with current information, with more sure. uh, more expanded, with better written because back then you know in the nineties, first of all I was still a, jo- uh, a journalism. Um, student. I wasn't yet a journalist. I didn't know very well what I was doing. I, I made tons of mistakes. The, the fanzine was a lot, had a lot of errors. We didn't have a way to do any fact checking back then because there was no Google yet or anything. So, mm-hmm. so a lot of it would get published with horrible errors. You know that that now I look at them and <laughs> and I'm embarrassed. So I'm like, I would never republish that. You know, but. So I, I'm using those articles as an excuse to write new articles, basically. And I quote myself and I recontextualize them in a way that they make sense for the current reader. So that, that's the idea of, of my book. It's very, nostal- the- very nostalgia-driven, too. 
because it's, sure. <laughs> it's, it's about a specific period. There was a, a period of, um, I call it the teenage years of hip-hop in, in Spanish, because hip-hop in Spanish yeah. still was, was very mature, was very uh, a niche thing that was kind of like trying to come up with an identity, but it was, there, there was still a lot of like uh, imitation. It was just like, there was a lot of empty yeah. imitation, you know. The, the imitation of the aesthetics and all the uh, the context of it without the the content you know so so i the, my book is about that about how hip hop in spanish during that time during the second half of the 90s was struggling to find an identity and, and the a book like you said i finished writing it it's not yet published it's in the process of being edited and corrected right now the okay. the idea is to publish it by the end of the year and hopefully by December, but with the current situation with the with the virus and everything we're going through, there's been a there's a lot of uncertainties regarding the the editorial business. Of course, uh, I completely understand. Um, let's let's ha let's listen to a little bit more music. Um, but I mean, we'll definitely be linking. Uh, in the show notes, you know, so, so that people can, you know, stay up to up to date with you and and with the book and, and the process. Okay. Um, but but uh, let's go ahead and listen to some uh, Jungle Fire. We have a song called Quemalo up next. Uh, what's up with Jungle Fire? That's a Latin funk band from L.A. They do all instrumental music. No, no mm -hmm. lyrics, no singer. And they're really funky, very like they come from like the breakbeat type of funk which I really like because my background is also as a b-boy. I used to break dance when I was young. So I love that type of well, music. But they, they do it with a Latin twist and and they're very interesting what they do. And this is their a single for from their third album. Uh, I think it's on Nacional Records from LA. Yes, it is. Cool. Um, fantastic. Well, let's go ahead and listen to that now. Again, this is Jungle Fire from Los Angeles, California. The song is called Quemalo, and we'll be right back with more DJ Juan Data.
Song Mess. Un show de música emergente latinoamericana donde mezclamos entrevistas con los sonidos más frescos del underground. Su anfitrión, Richard Villegas, es un periodista musical contribuyendo a publicaciones como Remezcla, Rolling Stone y Bandcamp. Y con Song Mess, las conversaciones toman un giro más casual y personal, revelando el mundo interior de cada invitado. Song Mess está disponible en todas las plataformas digitales. Y lo puedes escuchar por Radio Nova Costa Rica todos los lunes y jueves a las 9 de la mañana. Song Mess.
All right, and we're back. And the song that we just heard there is Emilio Cardone. It's called so Insoportable. Uh, I don't actually know Emilio Cardone. Uh, please tell us about Neither him. Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, it's a... Uh... Uh, I'm a musician from Argentina, actually, but I never heard about him. I, I think he's from uh, from some province. I don't think he's from from Buenos Aires, but I I randomly stumbled into him um, recently, and, and this his latest. I think his previous music was more like rock or oriented. Mm -hmm. This latest album is uh, it sounds very much like like retro synth pop. Okay. Which reminds me a lot of the Patch Mode, which is one of my all-time favorite artists. Great. And and that's why I liked him a lot. Like I, that, when I listen to that, the lot that's a, it's just him and a bunch of synthesizers, and I, I was very much into that type of sound during a, a period of my life, and so it it, it it brought me back to to that year to that era, like. The late 80s, early 90s. For sure. I mean, Depeche Mode is definitely a good selling point. I'm definitely going to be checking him out after this. Um, before before we stray too much from, from the topic of hip-hop, um, I have a, a lot of Argentine friends, actually, who are very critical about the trap scene that has emerged in Argentina. Do you have any any particular feelings? Because, again, like you were talking about how like your, your zines documented the the adolescence the teenage years of, of hip hop in, in Latin America what do you think uh, where do you think trap fits into that narrative I I I think there was a very uh, big break in the evolution of the hip hop it was coming from you know like all the way you can stretch it back all the way to the early eighties with the breakdance movement until the nineties and then the, what came after I think the, during the first part of the 2000s hip-hop uh, in Spanish all over Latin America it finally got uh, an identity of its own sure. its own style its own style of production its style of rhyming of writing lyrics you know and and Argentina finally got it like in the in the 2010s 2012 around that time it was at the peak of that and then all of a sudden this trap sound came out of nowhere and took over and changed completely the direction with a, a whole new breed of artists that were completely disconnected from what was happening before. I mean, yeah. That's the uh, most interesting part of it. Because like all these trap artists were ha have no connection, no even knowledge of, of the rap that was being done before. So it was kind of like, let's start from scratch here and mm -hmm. ignore everything that happened in so it's it's a very strange phenomenon and also the interesting part is like a lot of these guys come from the the freestyle battle scene which yeah. as you might know is this in 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 Latin America this has been the most incredible phenomenon that's very very typical of Latin America in the last 10 years yeah. that doesn't happen anywhere else in the world you know here in the, in the United States nobody talks about freestyle battles but in in Argentina, in Mexico, they they gather like ten thousand people yeah. just to see two two people battle rhyming, you know, and and that scene appeals a lot for some reason to um, teenagers, yeah, mm -hmm. and uh, teenagers that like consume music mainly through YouTube, and they're like they don't listen to albums, they don't listen to to songs, mostly they listen to to these kind of like improvised battles. Mm -hmm. 
and and that's their way they enjoy enjoy music. They they don't they don't expect their uh, their favorite artists to deliver an album with songs with a concept or anything. You know, it's a completely different way of uh, of consuming music. Yeah, and out of that that out of that phenomenon, many of the of the guys that's that that got to shine in the freestyle battles, they they became champions on that circuit. Then they started recording their own music, but they went all the way into into this trap or mumble rap or whatever you want to yeah. call it. And it's super interesting. The the music itself doesn't appeal to me at all. It's it's definitely I'm I'm way too old for it. You sure. Know? <laughs> it, 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 it's I think it, it, their target audience is 15 year old boys. Yeah. And I assume if I was that age, it would appeal to me. But but also like I have I do have some trouble uh, getting into the 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 topics of the lyrics. You know. Yeah. I don't think I don't think they have a very positive uh, message. Sure. And that's that's unfortunate. A lot of them, it's super dark message actually, which um, I don't know how much of it is true or not. But a lot of it relates with like heavy drug use and and mental issues and you know like going into very dark places kind of like the emo music emo did back in the in the early 2000s you know but now it's like these emo rappers basically yeah actually yeah, that's 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 extremely on the nose and and it's so interesting that you mentioned the the uh, the freestyle stuff because yeah i know la, la batalla de los gallos is like a huge 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 thing it's not just massive, in argentina yeah, yeah. And like, yeah. and and in Mexico, like you know, if you go to like a plaza or whatever, like you'll often see like these kids, like high school age kids, just like rap battling, you know, and just mm -hmm. honing their skills. And I think maybe it's an attraction to the ingenuity more so than like a chorus. Because um, like again, when yeah. I, I, I was in El Salvador earlier this this year, and it was the same thing. Like you would be in in a plaza, and like. You know, like the musicians are talking about how nobody comes to shows, but like you get to a plaza and there's like a hundred people watching these two kids just duke it out. So I think that's really kind of a very interesting thing that that has emerged. Um, yeah, it's super interesting and very different than the way that happened in the United States because freestyle battles do exist in the United States, but it's a very underground circuit uh, that happens in like clubs and stuff like that. There was a phenomenon like that in parks in like the in the mid nineties in New York, there was yeah. freestyle battle ciphers in parts, but that kind of faded away, and people most of those artists moved into into recording albums like Eminem. You know those people yeah. were they started as freestyle battle artists, and then they 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 become like um, uh, legit recording musicians. That doesn't seem to be the the case in many of Latin America artists. I don't think they even see the goal of becoming a recording musician for sure because there's not really re there's not really an industry there you know there's not enough nobody's gonna come and sign them a deal or anything you know so so for them it's all about being famous in the in the battle circuit in the parks and, and in youtube you know mainly for sure um, well, we're just about to wrap up. And, and again, thank you so much, Juan, for taking the time to like hang out and talk. Um, before we go, I mean, I've been using, you know, the pandemic has forced me to do long distance interviews, which is not something I really enjoy. I, I like hanging out. I like having a beer and just talking and, you know, and the physicality. And um, 
you know, but this has opened the door for me to it, talk to people in different corners of the world. And with a pandemic currently happening, I'm trying to sort of give diff- our listeners a, a spotlight uh, into how the different parts of the world are handling it. So how how has the Bay Area been managing during during the pandemic? Uh, the Bay Area was like pretty much ahead of the rest of the country in a sense that from the government of the Bay Area, they, they, they shut everything down before anywhere else in the United States. So in the beginning, we had a pretty good situation where like everybody else was freaking out. And here we were like one or two weeks uh, of advantage. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but it that doesn't mean that people hasn't been affected by it. There's been a lot of... Uh, a lot of cases, you know, especially the the Latino community, the Latino immigrant community, I would say, in the in the working class neighborhoods has been very much hit by the by the virus, because most of those people they, I I guess because a lot of them work in the streets and also a lot of them they work in in jobs that they don't they don't have the the luxury of working from home, of course. So they they were a lot more exposed to the virus. And I don't know, the, the most unfortunate stuff is, of course, the, all the lives lost, but also like the, the, uh, the vibrant art scene here, it's, it's being hit very, very bad. And, and I feel it for like a lot of my friends who are like artists, painters, poets, uh, um, graffiti, muralists, uh, yeah. musicians, DJs, a lot of them who, who are like left without a job or without a source of income and, and they don't have a... A plan B, you know, m- many of them, and, and they're struggling. That's for sure. Well, um, queridos escuchas, I mean, that's the part where you guys go and and you support these artists by you know blowing up their social media, buying their music on Bandcamp, because you know what little bit you guys can do, this is the time to be doing it. Um, uh, Juan, can you please let our listeners know uh, where they can follow you on social media, where they can listen to your music, where they can buy your book, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, my book, I don't know. I have no idea yet. <laughs> but Coming soon. I'm sure if, if they follow me on, on Instagram, they, they can. They, I will definitely be updating everything there on Instagram. And, and I'm DJ Juan Data there. Um, I also have an account for that, that's in, in Spanish for my early, like for all the hip-hop nostalgia. Like I have an account that's mainly focused on on the on my coverage of Latin hip hop in in the nineties that's called Mosh Pit Posse. And and then I have a band camp for DJ Juan Data or Stronghold Sound Records actually. Okay. And uh, which is a label I work with where I released most of my beats and, and, and other than that you can find my my beats as DJ Juan Data on, on Spotify and any other platform. Okay, and I'll make sure to be linking uh, to all of that in the show notes. Yes, um, I'll send you all the links. I appreciate that. Um, I want to take this opportunity to ri- remind all of you listeners that my name is Richard Villegas, and this is Song Mess, and you can listen to us on your favorite uh, podcasting platform. That would be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Deezer, SoundCloud, whatever. We're there. Uh, same on social media, everything at Song Mess, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you want to send us a message, uh, new your music, new album, whatever, songmessmusic at gmail.com. That's where I I receive 
all of the good things. Um, and you can find also links to our online store as well as our BOPS playlist also in the show notes. So make sure you're checking all of that good stuff out as well as everything for DJ Juan Data, which I will be linking as well. Um, we have one more song just to wrap up the show. This is by Cheo, a friend of the show, actually, a past guest. Um, yes. and, this, and this is No Quiero Ser Tu Amigo. I, I, that was a 20-minute interview that felt like it, it was an hour, but in the best way possible. He was just telling stories after stories. Oh, I love that guy. I interviewed <laughs> him many times since. He's so I know good. him as DJ Afro, but like he changes her name very, very often. You know, yes. but like I'm a huge fan of his music. Uh, tell me about the song. Why are we listening to this song today? Because it's funky and like he's the funkiest <laughs> guitar player in Venezuela and in Latin America probably too. For sure. Well, what a what a great note to sign off on. Again, guys, my name is Richard Villegas. My guest is Juan Data. Uh, thank you so much, Juan, for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right. And uh, this, again, this is No Quiero Ser Tu Amigo. This is by Cheo. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Ciao! Quiero ser tu amigo.